Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg ad-free and right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. It's harder to focus than ever these days. Thankfully, C4 has reinvented the energy drink game with C4 Smart Energy, the only energy drink clinically proven to provide enhanced mental focus, containing 200 milligram of natural caffeine, a blend of vitamins and zero sugar. It was formulated to support your well-being and help you feel your best, all while enhancing mental focus. From your brain to your body, C4 Smart Energy does it all and tastes amazing. Look for Smart Energy in the beverage aisle at your local Kroger, Albertsons, and Safeway grocery stores. C4 Smart Energy. Stay focused. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here with another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. On this special conversation, we dive deep into a tragedy and a hoped for recovery. The devastating fires that killed 100 people in Maui last August. It was the deadliest U.S. fire in more than 100 years. And now, how does a state that depends almost entirely on travel and tourism as its economic base build back? And what should you do as a responsible traveler? Go to Maui? or not. I'll speak with Hawaii's governor, Dr. Josh Green, for a situation report. Then an update on all the aid and relief organizations doing all that hard and essential work in Maui. Not only on what they are doing, but on what you can do. I'll speak with Ann Davies, who's running the efforts for United Way. And finally, the human and emotional impact of the fires, with Hawaiian cultural advisor Clifford Nioli. First up, Dr. Josh Green, governor of Hawaii. Say goodbye to performance-robbing engine deposits with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Hate to break it to you, but lower-grade fuel can leave deposits in your engine that build up over time and leave your engine's performance severely lacking. Thankfully, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus removes up to 100% of performance-robbing deposits with continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors. Download the Shell app today to find your nearest Shell station and rejuvenate your engine with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Fuel up at Shell. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Governor, welcome. My pleasure. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, I, I think you more than anybody uh, can relate to what happened on August 8th, because when you first came to Hawaii, it was as a doctor to serve an underserved community on the big island of Hawaii. Um, and so I'm sure that uh, your perspective on this was much needed. Well, I appreciate you saying so. I was the doctor on the big island in Kau, which is a very rural part of our island. Uh, also, Maui's quite rural. And we actually did have uh, fires there, big fires that would come through seasonally. It's, of course, very rare that we have a tragedy. The scope of what happened in Maui 110 plus days ago, you know, almost four months ago. But it, uh, it is something that we've been wrestling with. It's worse now that we've been dealing with a kind of a drier state, which we attribute partially, obviously, to global warming. Uh, but that's not to, to make any excuses. I mean, the tragedy is something that we're dealing with now, and we will for years. But these fires are more common. And as governor, I'm seeing them not just on Maui, but also on Big Island, on Oahu. We had very significant fires this year. So we're, we're changing how we do things uh, to deal with that. Yeah, I want to get to that in just a bit, but let's go back a little bit, back to August 8th. Where were you, and how did you first hear about it, and, and, uh, and what did you do? I actually was off with family in the East, uh, partway through a family reunion. I heard about it uh, in the wee hours of the morning uh, as the fire was um, raging, and then immediately, of course, traveled back within hours to, to Hawaii to begin to recover. So it was a strange feeling. Uh, to be partially away on our family reunion. But um, by the next morning, we had already uh, contacted the White House and begun the process of the major disaster declaration. So we were very appreciative of that. I landed sometime around 1130 at night. And by 6 a.m. the following day, the president approved our major disaster declaration. So we set to recovery immediately. It's a, it's a tragic thing to see whether it's a hurricane or a flood or a fire hit your, your state or your community. And it happens all too often across America now. So uh, that was our first experience. We did not know the scope or the, the extent of the loss of life uh, for several weeks. We've lost 100 loved ones and 3,700 structures, uh, all of which will take time to address. We have done something that is, I think, somewhat unique. I announced the Maui Recovery Fund, which will offer optionally families to um, be compensated if they lost a loved one or were injured almost immediately, uh, well over a million dollars, because we want to get them started on their recovery. That's just the beginning. Uh, nothing can bring them back. But that, plus large amounts of resources through uh, temporary assistance for needy family grants, business grants, I mean, all of it's meant to bring people back uh, from their, you know, from their suffering. But also, we need people to visit Hawaii. You know, I know this has been an open question for the world, uh, and I, I tried to be very clear. Uh, exactly a month after the fire, I made the announcement that we would open um, exactly two months after, which was October uh, 8th. So that is important, not because it's easy. It's, of course, very hard. But what people needed was some opportunity to work, and we have to strike a balance. There are it's still, of course, uh, a smaller number of travelers to to West Maui, but Hawaii depends on travelers to help us fund education and nurses and firefighters 
And so we're so thankful. We're thankful to everyone who still chooses to, to make Maui their, their top destination to come and spend time with their family because that's, that's helping us to heal. And I'll keep you know, talking about that as long as people will listen. You know, Governor, it's, it's hard to get my arms around this because I look at Hawaii as like America's paradise, and yet you just suffered the deadliest fire in the United States in more than a century, right? 100 people lost their lives, 7,200 people displaced. Uh, you mentioned the number of buildings that are, that are gone. I was at the site uh, just, just a few days ago, and and I don't want to over-dramatize it. I know you've been at the site but to me, uh, from my generation, uh, this it looked very much like Hiroshima. I mean, there is nothing left. Uh, you're walking down the street and you're walking on basically metal that completely melted. Um, and and it's, uh, it's something, it's a scene you'll never, ever forget. And of course, then the question becomes, what lessons do you learn from that? And then what, what lessons do you apply? Because as you mentioned, you know, your economy is so dependent on travel and tourism. Here's your double-edged sword, right? People basically, you know, conflicted about whether I should go back to Hawaii at this time. But at the same time, people have lost their jobs. They've lost their houses. Uh, they've lost their means of living. The economic base is challenged. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, if you look at the real dollars, you know this better than anybody, what, you know, $13 million of visitors spend every day is not there, Right. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot to unpack there. So uh, let's, let's start with travel. So as everyone knows, uh, Lahaina, which is an amazing place, and West Maui, an amazing place to visit, uh, was the only area that was significantly impacted, with the small exception of Kula, where 20 houses uh, were lost in the upcountry area. So amazingly, for a lot of people traveling, even to Maui, if they were traveling to the other side, to where Kihei is, they would not have known. Uh, but we are sensitive because we have housing needs and we are now working very diligently to make sure everyone gets into housing. I, I'll talk more about that in a moment. Uh, the, the truth is when people see a fire like that, a lot of people don't know, uh, first of all, that there are four counties in Hawaii and there are distinct islands. There are many distinct islands, right? So we're seeing more travelers in some ways go to Big Island and Kauai and Oahu than we historically have had because people are pausing on some of their travels to West Maui. But we want to be very specific. People should come and help recover on Maui and be thoughtful and caring as they travel. The only place, and it's a, it's a very small part, it's, it is one, only 1% of the island, the only place one couldn't travel would be to Lahaina. Uh, Lahaina will take many years to rebuild. That front street that was so beautiful uh, that will take years to rebuild. But even as you said, like Kapalua or other parts of West Maui, they are fully available. And we are housing people, yes, and people will move into some of the uh, the rentals that will be transitioned from short-term to long-term rentals. That's going to be the big move that we make for the next two years. So there will probably be fewer like Airbnbs that might be available. There might be fewer of this VRBO part of the industry because we will house all 7,000 people that were displaced. But you would not know it if you were traveling to Oahu or to Kauai or Big Island. You just wouldn't. And the, the global economy will be used to help us rebuild Maui and Lahaina. I, I will spend hundreds of millions of dollars to care for the people that have lost their homes. So 
it is important that people travel to Hawaii when they feel right about it. It is important for people to travel to Maui if that's their favorite place, and they will absolutely be able to do it uh, with the single exception of Lahaina. And that's because of what you, you know, what you stated. Now, lessons. The lessons are many. And the first and most important lesson is that we should all be prepared, all of us in government, in the private and public sectors. We should all be prepared to mitigate the impact of global warming because we are at higher risk. The way our storm occurred, and it was a firestorm, was the back end of a hurricane, which had winds of 74 miles per hour, sent embers from a, a fire into the air. And those embers hit a very dry, somewhat old city, Lahaina, and it was mostly built of wood, and that's what you know spread the fire. So global warming is very real. It's important to address it, and we're going to be putting all sorts of mitigating uh, policy in place so that this can't continue to happen. But I will tell you, for those who don't take action, they're going to see fires like this in their in their state. I've fought my share of fires as a volunteer fireman in New York, and I can tell you, having spent time with, with the firefighters in Maui, I mean, nobody had a chance on this. You know, it's one thing if you're fighting a fire that's contained in one building. This is a fire that was moving, depending on, on the reports that I was given, anywhere from two to six miles an hour. That's very fast. That's so fast, you really couldn't get ahead of it. And of course, it was fueled by all the global warming issues you were talking about. So I guess the question now is, we know Lahaina is going to get rebuilt. We also know it's not going to be an easy overnight task. It's Herculean when yes. you think about the efforts that have to go into it because of all the architecture and the history, the cultural heritage, and now not to mention new building and fire codes. So the, the challenge, I guess, is how do you rebuild Lahaina, which was such a beautiful place? I was going there for the last 40 years. And it's nice to see, by the way, I keep hearing that the big banyan tree there, they're, they're seeing some sprouts. It may still be yeah. still be alive. I guess the question is, how do you rebuild it in the most thoughtful way without making it a theme park? That's a great question. And we have to be very deliberate about that. One of the actions I took as governor in the first couple of days was to do a moratorium on transactions. So we've created it a special category of penalty if people tried to steal land from people who were suffering. So anyone who propositioned someone to quickly sell their land cheap could be fined up to $5,000 and get a year in jail. So we put that kind of moratorium in place, that disincentive, so that local people can keep their houses. And then I'll do what I can to get extra settlement claims to people very quickly so that they can build as soon as the land is cleared. But yes, we won't permit anyone who wants to build some kind of large amusement park or anything. And we'll use the state and county lands to help preserve what is special about Lahaina. We have this word called an ahupua'a in Hawaiian, and that basically describes a way one manages the land from uh, the mountain to the sea. And that's important because traditional Hawaiian culture is very extraordinary in its self-sufficiency and its resiliency. And we will endeavor to do that. At the end of the day, the people of Maui and Lahaina have to make the decision of what they want to rebuild. And there's 561 families that both owned and lived in their property. And then there was another 1,843 families that were renting from somebody that owned in Lahaina. We want to really protect those individuals, especially first those 561 families that were like the true local families for generations and help them rebuild in the way that they think is best. And I'm sure that their idea is to rebuild in a way that reflects the history of Lahaina. We're really leaning heavily into what people want. I will share with you, Peter, there, there's a lot of conspiracy theory out there on social media and the internet. It's 
completely baloney. I mean, completely nonsense. We will only rebuild what the people of Lahaina ask us to rebuild. And we'll only let landowners get, get zoning and approvals if they prove that they are for Hawaii and for Maui, which means longstanding connections to the islands. So we're going to do that as deliberately as we can. But it's, you know, it's a big lift and it will take years because the first three months, which we've just finished, were the time where uh, the EPA was clearing out the real toxic debris. The next nine months or so, we'll be clearing out an extraordinary swath of five square miles of land to get all the debris gone. And then we can talk about whether the dirt is safe enough, the ash is safe enough. At the end of the day, I am a physician and, and there were heavy metals. There was arsenic in the ash that we found up country. Just be really careful because that stuff will hurt children, that and other heavy metals. So we're going to do all that we can on an environmental health basis, and then we rebuild. But in the meanwhile, we do encourage people to travel to the islands. It's extraordinary how beautiful it is during the holidays. It's extraordinary what our sunrise looks like over Honolulu today, as I saw it come up. It's an amazing place, and it's more beautiful than ever, though with a scar across one part of Maui. And when people understand how much they're contributing to our recovery, I think they're going to appreciate what I'm saying. And then, of course, people can do what they would like to to support us. If they go to the Hawaii Community Foundation, they can donate to Maui Strong. If they want to go to Maui United, way, that helps too, because that will match all of the resources that I'm coming up with and Oprah and The Rock and everybody. So we just so appreciate people's love for Hawaii, but our recovery will be both thoughtful and long. You know, one of the Hawaiian terms that I've learned since I've been on island, and I'm sure you know it very well, Governor, is kakua, which is yeah. the Hawaiian word for to help without being asked to help. And what I'm seeing here in Maui now for the visitors who are coming is so many of them, yes, they're going to go out to the pool and they'll go out and run around the island, but at the same time they're volunteering and they're going up to the farms and help packaging food and help delivering supplies to the people who need it the most. And that is certainly something that any visitor to Hawaii can do easily and uh, with that spirit of kukua. That's absolutely right. There's a couple words people would benefit. Kukua is a great one to bring up uh, to help. There is malama which is to support and, in a kind way, uh, help people. And, and we use that in how we deal with the land. And then there's the, the other two words everyone knows. There is ohana, which is family, and then aloha, which is to express love for people uh, unconditionally. And if people learn those things as a result of fire, then I think America is going to be an even better place. And I know that Hawaii will continue. It already is thriving, but it will continue to thrive. It's just a matter of dealing with a crisis that people probably would have expected to hit uh, an area across the Midwest or perhaps in some other place. Although, of course, we have um, had to send our love out to other parts of our own country, like uh, the Southeast when Katrina hit or the fires that were going on in California. So uh, we're all in this together, honestly, and we appreciate people across America and my old home state where I was born, New York. uh, We appreciate you guys when you come to to Hawaii to um, share your experiences with us. My thanks to the governor. It's time to connect the dots and follow the money and discover ways you can help. Ann Davies has a frontline report from her team at United Way in Hawaii. This podcast is supported by FedEx. 
FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. When it comes to picking the perfect treats for your dog, Stuart makes the choice easy by keeping it real. Real ingredients, real nutrients, real benefits. Stuart dog treats are free from additives, corn, soy, wheat, and grains. Plus, they're freeze-dried to lock in all the great nutrition and natural flavor your furry friend deserves. Stuart freeze-dried dog treats. Big, tail-wagging nutritional benefits. Available on Amazon.com today. Annie Davis is now the, the lone Western Regional Director here in Maui, who has an interesting story to tell because you aren't based here. I am not based here, unfortunately. Um, it's a beautiful place that I am privileged to be here right now, but I am uh, based normally in the small town of Durango, Colorado. Working for United Way there. I work for United Way Worldwide, which is based actually in Alexandria, Virginia. It's a very complicated uh, system, but I my normal job would be to oversee United Ways across a 13-state region in the West, which happens to include Hawaii. And so you first got here when? I first got here on August 14th. Right after? Right after. And what was the scene? Um, it was very interesting. I got a call um, probably on August 9th or 10th from the local director of the United Way, Nick Winfrey, um, asking if I would consider coming out to help. They had a four-person staff. And so um, I said, sure, Nick, I have to rearrange some travel. I'll be there maybe in a week and a half. And he called me back the next day and said, I really need you to be here now. So I got on a plane one or two days later, and um, came out and expected to see, you know, the devastation that we had all been seeing on the news. Um, and you, it's, But you're still not ready for it. You're still not ready for it. And you're also surprised when you get off the plane because when you get off in Kahului, it doesn't look like anything has happened um, because the fire is localized, you know, to the Lahaina and Kula areas. And... Um, you can really go about your life in Maui and not see the effects if you're not talking to people. Um, it's only once we started to go over to Lahaina um, and actually staff the disaster recovery centers that every single day you're driving past um, the impacted areas. And I mean, you'd seen other disaster areas before, but nothing like this. I've seen nothing like this, and while United Way is very involved in local communities um, in disaster, whether it be floods, fires, um, the whole gamut, um, no, I um, a fire is is a different thing, and um, and it was taken up many many notches from anything I had seen before. So when you hit the ground running, and you hit the ground running, mm -hmm. what's, what's your first order of business? Our first order of business was to get emergency financial assistance out to fire survivors. So um, 
it sounds really simple and straightforward, but there's a lot that goes into that because you want to make sure that the right people are getting the funds, i.e. people who have been affected by the fire. Um, and because technology helps us in so many ways, it also um, makes things in some ways more challenging uh, in terms of actually vetting um, applications and making sure that they weren't people coming in from Nebraska, you know, trying to get those funds. And, and that's happened before. It has happened before, unfortunately, um, and we're really thankful to have strong partnerships, not only with Aloha United Way in Honolulu, um, which helped us with some back-end systems, but also with um, Nick Winfrey, again, the CEO here, um, has a strong partnership with NASA Harvest, which does GIS mapping, and they were doing that around food security, and so they quickly pivoted to make that uh, able to help us look at individuals' addresses and make sure that we could verify that those individuals... You had to match them. We had to match them. And we had to use, you know, then you had to have a, either a photo ID. So we did a ton of applications in person. Um, and there's interesting stories around that. But the things that were coming in online, we were also matching people's um, identification. And um, unfortunately, there's some bad apples out there in that world, too, that are submitting false um, identification. So we had to get really savvy really quickly because we wanted to get those funds out the door as fast as possible, but still do it in a way that was responsible with the donors' dollars that were coming in. Once you identified the people who needed it the most, how fast was the turnaround in terms of getting them the money and then making sure the money was getting to the right people in a, in a timely way, but in order to let them live their lives. Yeah, and that was really important to us. Um, people having some money in their pocket, we know, you know, from past disasters is so critical in alleviating people's stress after they have lost everything. Um, and so... This is where we really relied on the strength of the United Way network. There's over a thousand United Ways across the United States, and unfortunately, we are not the first one to go through a disaster. So we were able to call on United Ways who had been there and done that, and um, had the United Way that served New Orleans step up and send us a uh, hundred thousand dollars in five hundred dollar Visa prepaid gift cards, so that we could begin that distribution almost immediately um, to survivors once they were verified. So we were out there every day in Lahaina um, verifying applications and then subsequently distributing those funds um, and to, to individuals and at the same time helping those who had lost all of their identification uh, and lost, all, everything. lost everything. So they didn't have a computer to fill out the application. They spoke English was their second language in many cases. Um, some of our older um, adults had trouble with the technology. Um, there were so many challenges, but I, I feel really proud of the small team and the amazing volunteers who came in um, to help us make that happen. So devil's advocate question here. $500 gift cards don't go very far. No, and they did get two. So we did do $1,000 to each survivor. Um, but $1,000 in the state that has the highest cost of living does not go very far. So another piece of our work has been helping to connect people to the other resources, FEMA, Red Cross, um, 
all, I mean, so many groups, thankfully, have come in to help, but that can also be overwhelming for survivors. Um, They've been through a traumatic experience, and every single person, you know, that I talked to in those first few weeks, you could see them visibly shaking when they were talking to you, even if they seemed incredibly calm. Well, let's talk about moving forward here, because so many people are now conflicted about whether they should vacation in Maui or not come, how to do it responsibly. At the same time, you know this by now, the economic driver of travel and tourism is key to this state, key to this island. Um, What are you telling people who are asking you if they can come to help? Yeah, we always will welcome um, individuals who are interested in coming to help. Um, There are many organizations, um, along with Maui United Way, with boots on the ground that need assistance. And I think we want to keep putting that message out because it's not only in this immediate aftermath of the disaster, but we're going to need help in three months and six months, you know, and years. It's going to take years to rebuild. Um, I think in terms of that component of respectful and responsible tourism um it would be like it was would be anywhere else um to be respectful of the disaster area don't try to go down into um, lahaina or into the burn area this is not an opportunity for a personal selfie it is absolutely not and um those are the things i think that are that would be hurtful um and um and not welcome right now exactly Exactly. So bottom line is, let me hear the website again. Our website is MauiUnitedWay.org, and you can come to us whether you want to um, donate or whether you want information on um, helping and coming to volunteer. And of course, so many people, uh, I've, I've found this out, who are coming to vacation in Maui are not coming in a vacuum. They, when they get here, they want to know what what they can do to help as well. Yes, Yeah, that's absolutely right. And we really do. We want tourism to come because we want the economy to rebound. Um, I think sometimes people think, well, there was 100 people who were killed. And, you know, so all of their families are hurting, those who lost their homes. But it ripples throughout this entire community because of the loss of tourism and just how resources have had to shift. So, yes, please come and visit Maui. Be respectful and responsible. Um, and, and do leave some aloha, whether that's through a donation or your gift of time. We would all greatly appreciate that. What's the one lesson you've learned from out of this? I think that it has challenged my assumptions in terms of a place that I had probably preconceived notions around who the people were here and what. What were, the, what were those notions? And that was, oh, Maui is this kind of glamorous place that, you know, you come to vacation um, and everyone here has it somewhat easy because their life must be like they're on vacation. And what I've found is that there. There is a lot of hardship. There's a lot of people working really long hours and really long days, even before the fire, to make those experiences happen for guests. And I th- um, they are an incredibly giving and warm population. Um, that spirit of aloha really is alive and well here. Give me the website once again. MauiUnitedWay.org. My thanks to Anne. Clifford Nioli is an institution in Maui understands the connection between the ancient gods, the nuance of island mythology, and Mother Nature. He's always my go-to person for much-needed perspective, and no more so 
than right now. Clifford Nioli. Clifford, a, a warm, warm welcome to you. Thank you. Aloha. Glad to be back and see your face. You know, I remember going out at dawn with you one morning, um, out to the water to watch the sunrise. Uh, and, and very, very quiet, very, very calm, just a little bit of wind. And for the blessing. Yes. And for you to talk about some of the cultural history some of the spiritual history yes. of this island uh, in the wake of the terrible fires. Is that spirit still alive? Absolutely. Maybe even stronger now as people unified to be one and caring about each other uh, for the community. It, it's, um, you know, it's shocking. It's sad. But what has emerged from all of this, again, is the unified strength that they have trying to protect what they have left which is basically nothing but they are still trying their best and families are getting together everybody's helping each other so the kukua the aid that they give each other both spiritually physically um you know just just food and and, and those things are are really really uh, bringing the people together explain the concept of kukua kukua is the ability to help when not even asked to help it is about looking at somebody and seeing their needs and what little you may have in your, uh, your, your, your pockets or whatever you have, you will reach out and, and say, here, take this, take this, no matter how much uh, you can give or how less you can give. It, it's all about helping the other person bless someone and they'll bless you back. You've been on this island a long time. Oh, yeah. You've never seen anything like this. No, not at all. Uh, where were you when it happened? Well, I was on my way to work, and uh, then I started, you know, I had to turn around, and some circumstances, and uh, so I, I was listening and reading all about it, and, you know, it was, it was horrible. It was horrible to think that things could move that quickly, uh, and, a, and a town destroyed, and people's lives lost, and it was very, very sad. Uh, but again... There's an emergence that's going to come out of this. Uh, sometimes fire is, uh, uh, it cleanses. In this case, I'm not sure if it cleansed, but it did uh, bring the community back even stronger. And it'll take years, but they will be back. They will be back. Now, I have known you to pay tribute to the gods. I have known you in the, in the morning hours to talk about that spirit. Yes. Uh, fire itself is such a big part of the Hawaiian culture. It is. It's with Pele. Uh, her fires and her lava actually just, you know, just uh, there was always new growth that came out of it. It was never something that... Well, talk about Madame Pele. Yeah. Well, Madame Pele, of course, was the, the goddess of the volcanoes that came from the Salt Islands and she made Hawaii her home. And uh, as as... Her lava and her fire uh, flowed down. Um, it created more land for the people. But it also did, uh, as I said, greenery always came out of this lava. So there's always, no matter how harsh the environment may seem, green will come, just like the emergence, the reemergence of our people from Lahaina. Maui is big enough, and yet it's small enough that everybody seems to know everybody. Yes, Absolutely. 
And so the loss that was suffered by one was suffered by all. Yes, yes, yes. Family, friends, coworkers. Uh, so, you know, we, we try to see who needs assistance and try our best to help. And, of course, you know, one of the overriding themes and one of the reasons why we're here reporting now is a sort of a double-edged sword between people who, who want to come and visit yes. and the local community wanting them to visit but also very concerned about the impact of that visit. Right, and I, I see that. You know, we don't, they don't want to be a photographer's dream, per se, you know, by the tourists, etc. But at the same time, many of the tourists that are coming here are willing to volunteer. They're willing to give. They're willing to cuckoo, as they say. And that's great. That is great to have that, you know, because it's been all over the news and everything else. So they're coming here, and many of them, I'd, I'd say at least 50% are willing to cooperate or give back to the community, be it financial or be it just uh, physical labor. You know, in the spirit of that kakua, let me tell our listeners there, and you can go to our website, petergreenberg.com, for a comprehensive list of those aid and relief organizations doing all the hard work here in Maui. Boots on the ground. You can follow the money and see exactly where it goes. But there's the American Red Cross of Hawaii. There's the Maui United Way, our Kapuna, the Salvation Army on Maui, and of course, the Maui Food Bank. And that's just for starters. Uh, there's other things like Maui Strong. Please go to our website. You will see those organizations listed. And what's amazing about it is you can even designate where you want the money to go. Yes, exactly. It can go to anywhere, thing from mental health and grief counseling to animal welfare, anywhere from health care to, to food supplies direct financial assistance, uh, children and family, immigrant services, and, of course, lodging and shelter because so many people lost their homes. Yeah, they lost everything. Yeah. yeah. But uh, they will reemerge like the greenie in the lava. They will, they will come forward. Is there a special blessing that you, got, that you now give? Uh, about renewed life, I, I, I'm, I'm at wit's end right now. Um, I just say my prayers silently for him. And it's coming back. Yes, it is. It is. And it's going to take some time. It's going to take a lot of patience. But we see things coming together. Uh, as, as I say, unifying the people, no matter what culture. It, they're all being... Uh, with each other to hold their hands and, and, you know, create a smile. And so you're welcoming visitors back. Yes, yes, we are. And, and, and again, the visitors come with respect and they come with, uh, with, with good, good intentions. And that's, that's great. That is great. So Maui is open. It is open for the traveler. Uh, but just be very sensitive of what took place and pay your respects. My thanks to Clifford, to Ann Davies, and to Hawaii Governor Dr. Josh Green. And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, and it grows in size and intensity every day, you know the drill. Just log on to petergreenberg.com. The Ion Travel Podcast is produced by Amanda Morris and Anthony Protis Chung. For more content from Peter Greenberg and the Ion Travel team, visit petergreenberg.com. 
Ion Travel is a production of CBS News Radio. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com/survey. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.